You're listening to Wordslinger Podcast, episode 131, Getting Military Right with Andrew Watts. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by Draft2Digital. Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tumlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin Tumlinson. You may have guessed by now, but I am the word slinger. <laughs> and, uh,. Um, I have to tell you, last week's, uh, well, I, I say last week's, the last episode, I actually skipped a week, and you may have noticed, um, and that's because of all the conference and uh, conferences and travel, um, it just, uh, it, it got too much, it was too much, <laughs> I wasn't able to do uh, an episode in between, so I apologize, and I know there are folks who, um, who kind of, uh, you've come to rely on the uh, Word Slinger podcast, and I understand, and I, I want to apologize to anyone who was, um, you know, distraught. <laughs> you have not been forgotten. Um, so, here's the deal. I, that last episode I talked, it was a solo episode, and uh, it was very well received, so thank you uh, to everyone who wrote in and, uh, um, you know, posted on uh, Facebook and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm going to have to do some more of those, I think, because uh, people really did like that. But here's the deal. I um, I talked, among other things, I talked about this very portable lifestyle, um, this very portable career move, right, uh, using your, your iPhone in particular. Um, I talked about my experience with... Uh, writing a short story uh, using just the iPhone and its on-screen keyboard. Um, I have actually interviewed Michael Leron. That interview is in the can. And I'll get to, uh, I got some details about uh, what's what's going to be happening with Wordslinger episode, uh, Wordslinger episode, Wordslinger podcast. Um, if you'll hang around after the interview, I'll do some housekeeping there. Um, but I got a huge response from people on this, including, uh, I got some emails, I got some uh, comments, but I got also this voicemail. Hey, Kevin Tomlinson, this is C. Stephen Manley. I was just listening to your podcast, and while I don't do a lot of writing on my iPhone because I have fat fingers and the keyboard is small and I have a PC at home so I can't get the two versions of Scrivener to link up, I did just this morning sit in the dentist's office waiting on my son, and while I was there, I used Dropbox and the browser on my phone to check my sales numbers and put together a couple of Amazon ads, so you're portable writer career extends beyond just the writing and into the business side of things too. So uh, thanks for the podcast and everything and take it easy, man. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Manley. Cause if, if you have the last name Manley, uh, there's no choice. Everyone must refer to you as Mr. Manley. It's, it is international law actually. Um, but uh, he brings up a very good point by the way, because uh, I, I talked mainly about writing using the iPhone and the on-screen keyboard. Uh, I had done quite a bit of other work uh, surrounding my career, especially particularly the stuff I'm doing for Draft Digital. I scheduled some 
uh, blog posts, yeah, email uh, campaigns, that sort of thing. Everything went out that way. But checking your figures, checking in on uh, how things are doing, tracking your data, all that stuff can be easily done these days. It's an incredible thing, right? This is just mind-boggling to me. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it. I think, actually, I do know why. I've always loved the idea of uh, this one device to rule them all. And, uh, you know, despite the maybe negative connotations of that uh, <laughs> that illusion, uh, I do, I've always wanted to have this one device that I could carry around that could do all the work that I do. I, I value having an incredibly portable lifestyle. Being able to, uh, I mean, let's just think about the wonders of the iPhone for a second. Just the iPhone. The, the, the uh, Androids and all the others, I know they exist. I know they're there. They do the same things. Uh, but my experience is primarily with the iPhone. I've got a device that lets me not only be productive, but I can uh, entertain myself on the road. I can watch. You know, I have a little adapter to go to... Um, HDMI, so I don't have to rely on local cable. <laughs> I can watch anything I want to watch on demand. Uh, I have unlimited data, so I can stream whatever I want. Uh, I plug into a TV in my hotel room if I'm going to do that. I rarely do that, actually, because I just I don't really typically have time or the uh, inclination to uh, to just sit and watch TV in my hotel room. But I could do it at a cafe if I wanted to take a break from writing or uh, answering emails or uh, you know, whatever. I can do my podcast on the phone. I can do all, all the things that make my life work. I can do on the phone. Some things are a little more difficult than others, but just incredible to me. And the fact that this technology is available and affordable in other places, in emerging markets worldwide, in, in you know, African nations and in Indian territories where you, you've got people who otherwise would have no access to this stuff. Um, now they have this device that can be concealed. <laughs> so if if they are involved in activity that is you know perhaps forbidden by their governments, let's just look at China, right? Um, they've got technology that can allow them to uh, to connect and coordinate with each other. Um, I'm not I'm not encouraging people to go out and uh, rebel against their governments here. This is starting to sound a little weird, but I'm <laughs> what I am saying is we've got this this technology that gives us so many more options than we ever had before. So. Thank you, Mr. Manley, for your voicemail. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can definitely do that. Um, just call me. Uh, well, there's a couple of ways to reach me. I tell you what, I'm going to save that for a little later um, because I don't want to get off track. Because I have one more message to uh, to uh, give to you, actually. <laughs> this one's an email. Uh, and uh, let me pull this up. Okay, so I got a question. Um from Michael, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Michael. Michael Bowie, uh, that's how it's spelled at, at uh, any rate. <clears throat> and here's the question: Fictional biographies and chronologies. Can you successfully publish it as a standalone story narrative? Um, that it, it, okay? I believe this is how that question is working. <laughs> so forgive me, Michael, if I'm misinterpreting. Uh, but uh, it sounds like you want to be able to publish the actual biographies of your characters, maybe the timelines, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm going to say that you can, in fact, successfully publish those um, as their own standalone uh, additions to your stories. Um, I think they, they typically work best when you do include maybe bits of them in the backs of books. Um, for example, you could do something serialized. If you have a series, let's say you have a fantasy series, 
you could uh, write out your whole, you know, your character biographies and your chronologies, and in each uh, each uh, edition of your books, in each new, uh, why is the language failing me? <laughs> With each new release, uh, each book could contain a small bit of this overall chronology and, and uh, biography, um, so that people are encouraged to buy each book if they want that information. You know, that's a little extra nudge to get it. And then, after the series has run its course, you could go ahead and combine all those into one volume that people could buy, uh, even if they haven't read all of your books or whatever. You could you could um, pop that up there and make that available for sale. Um, that's one way to do that. Uh, I always try to encourage people to buy the next book. That's why I put that out there. But I have seen people successfully, well, um, in the traditional world, you got guys like David Eddings who published, um, you know, his series, he had two, two five-book series, the Bulgariad and the Malorian, and pronunciation of those varies by taste. That's how I pronounce them. But <laughs> he also published uh, a couple of uh, sort of, you know, companion books to that. And uh, they some, one of them was sort of a... Uh, it, 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 for lack of a better term, it was like a wiki of you know all the uh, events and characters and you know the settings of uh, his little world that he created. Um, I bought that book and and really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not the kind of thing you read cover to cover, you know, like you would a novel, but it's more like a reference. Um, and I'll period periodically just hop back in there and. Uh, find an entry about a character and, you know, read up on that character just for the fun of it, you know? I mean, I'm, it's it's a little bit like research at that point, but I, it's a fun thing to do. Um, I would offer this sort of thing as a top-of-funnel offer for people to get on your mailing list, actually. I think this this kind of stuff is great for that. You've If you spend the time and build it, um, you might leak bits of it into uh, the backs of your books like we suggested earlier. Uh, create a unified volume of this and you can put a little CTA that says, hey, if you'd like the whole thing, <laughs> including some bonus stuff that's never going to see print anywhere else, uh, you can get this unique book by joining my mailing list at, you know, suchandsuch.com and, uh, you know, use a service like uh, uh, Damon Courtney's uh, book funnel uh, to deliver that. Um, th at that point, I don't know if you want to uh, you can your your choices there are you can give it away for free or you can sell it at a dramatically low price which I actually I, I'm starting to prefer this strategy uh, make it a buck ninety nine right um, and tell you know and and you might even uh, sort of value it and say this book would sell in retail for six ninety nine nine ninety nine fourteen ninety nine whatever you think is appropriate. Uh, but you can get it for a dollar ninety-nine. It's the complete set. You can only get it if you sign up on my mailing list, and you'll get a link to purchase it at this reduced price. Um, your results may vary. You may test the idea of offering that for free versus offering it as a paid book. I'm starting to lean towards uh, qualifying my list more with with paid offers, and uh, we're going to see how that works. I haven't I haven't jumped into that per se just yet <laughs> but it's on the list of things that I'm doing so take that for what it's worth if you've got opinions on that uh, feel free to reach out to me um, I'm gonna go ahead and give that number after all it's 281809 word that's 281809 actually here's what's gonna work better if you just go to wordslingerpodcast.com and click the send voicemail button it's right in the bottom right corner of the screen right now um, 
you can leave me a quick voicemail right from your computer, from your phone, from anywhere. So uh, do that. I think um, if you have opinions about this or you got a strategy you're using that works or whatever, uh, that's a great tool. So, Michael, thank you. I hope I answered your question. If I, if I didn't, hit me up again. Michael actually emailed me from the site at wordslingerpodcast.com. He clicked the contact button. So that's a great place to start if you want to just ask me a question. Um, I'm happy to answer. And uh, if you have questions for some, some of my guests, uh, past guests, I'm happy to uh, run those out there uh, on your behalf as well. So with all that said, uh, now that we're we're through the uh, voicemails and emails. Um, let's get into this interview. Um, if so, since I've been writing thrillers, there is a component to my work that involves the military um, on occasion. Now, I have a limited experience with military. I did. Uh, I uh, used to uh, do some documentary television work for PBS, and I've done some stuff for, you know, History Channel and Discovery and that sort of thing. But um, I've talked to and interviewed hundreds of mostly Vietnam vets and some uh, some of the vets from like World War II um, and Korea. I've, I've talked to quite a few vets over the years, uh, largely pilots, but a lot of special forces guys. And, uh, you know, that's where the bulk of my sort of uh, instinct and uh, my experience comes from. But despite that, I mean, I wasn't in the military, so I don't have that to draw upon. And um, the rest of my experience is through movies and TV and books and that sort of thing. So uh, sometimes I get things wrong, and people let you know when you get things wrong. So we're talking today to Andrew Watts. Uh, he's the author of the War Planner series, which I actually say at the beginning of the interview. But I think you're going to enjoy this because, the, in part, this conversation is about getting military right in your fiction. So. I hope you dig this interview, even if you don't write fiction, even if you don't write about the military. Um, I think there's some information here that could carry over and uh, sort of a halo effect <laughs> that would uh, apply to other aspects of your writing, research-based fiction in particular. So hope you enjoy this interview. Uh, stick around after. We'll do a wrap-up. I've got some news about uh, how things are going to go with the Wordslinger podcast. Uh, in the very near future, so you're going to want to hear that, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, I'm talking to, uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation actually, I'm talking to Andrew Watts, he's the author of the War Planners series, uh, which you can pick up on uh, Amazon uh, for sure, and you can also find him on his website, which we'll we'll talk about, but Andrew, is uh, he graduated the U.S. Naval Academy in 2003. And he served as a naval officer and helicopter pilot until 2013, and that's that's very cool, actually, Andrew. So uh, we're I, I'm looking forward to this conversation because uh, I've done some documentary work, documentary film work uh, on historic aviation. So we might have some common ground to talk about. But at awesome. any rate, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, among other things, I mean, military and uh, anything to do with the military in fiction. Uh, it can go either way, uh, depending on who's doing the writing. So one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is how we can get that right. Cause there's some of us didn't serve in the military. Um, and by the way, thank you for your service. Cause oh, I, appreciate I, it. I do Thanks. appreciate that. <laughs> um, I did not serve in the military, uh, but I've worked with so many veterans and, uh, and, uh, in active military over the years that I have a very deep appreciation for you guys. Um, 
And I know that one of the things that irks people who did serve uh, is when people get military wrong. <laughs> do, you, uh, sure. do you see a yeah. lot of that? So uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. The other day I, I was looking at one of my reviews and of course, like most authors, I think I focus on my negative reviews more than my positive right, reviews. Probably. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I saw one of them, and it was I think it gave, it gave me a negative review, and the the headline of the article was something like, or the headline of the review was something like, you know, good plot but wrong facts or something. <laughs> and it was it was somebody that was very into guns, and I think I made a mistake about one gun having a safety when it didn't really have a safety. Yeah. Or, or something like that. Um, so yes, even, I mean, I, I have, I have fired, uh, torpedoes, hellfire missiles, uh, automatic grenade launchers, and a lot of, uh, different types of machine guns. And even I will make mistakes <laughs> uh, on all that, all that, all that stuff on all the technicality. And, and by the and, way, uh, all, that said, all that said, reviewers beware. Because you <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Right, right. No, I'm sorry. I yeah, no, it, it was really, and I think you know one of the other things the review was talking about was like you know if if he's getting this wrong, you know maybe he isn't getting stuff about the aircraft carrier wrong. And right. and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I started writing my draft while I was deployed on an aircraft carrier, you know, so right, I'm pretty right. sure I got it right. But um, yeah, I, I think it's it's hard. Uh, veterans and law enforcement uh, officers uh, probably have a distinct advantage over people that haven't had experience in, in that world uh, when, when writing about it. Right. Just like anybody, you know, uh, uh, somebody who has a background in anything is going to have an advantage over knowing what, what people will talk like and, and what it smells like and sounds like and feels like. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, military folks will have an advantage there, but at the same time, I think, uh, you know, if with the tools that are available to us today on, on YouTube or just doing any internet search, you can find out a ton and, right. and add little details here and there, yeah. uh, that, that will go a long way. And I think so much of what, what we know is important to the reader is, is going to be, um, identifying with the characters, right. you know? So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to, I tend to try to avoid the hornet's nest, uh, by, you know, I, I do know a few things, so I will I'll sprinkle in what I know and then I'll supplement yep. that with a little bit of research. But I try not to go overboard with that kind of detail because I know I'm not an expert. So and that, you know, I, it, it seems to me that the issue of a safety on a weapon that doesn't have a safety is the one thing that trips up like everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. I, so I, I even researched it after the, the funny thing is, so I used to do, you know, I used to be a helicopter pilot. I would, I would do uh, counter piracy flights off the coast of Africa. Oh, that's pretty and awesome. we could actually carry, uh, a, carry a weapon with us while we flew. I think thinking that like, if we got shot down and we're in the water, somehow that was going to help us, which I don't think it would have, but, right. um, you know, so, and I'm thinking like, I'm pretty sure I wrote down the same type of gun that I used and I felt even worse because I didn't remember whether it had a safety right. or not, you know, but, right. uh, yeah, but it, it does that, that trips up everybody. And it's, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that only, well, mostly just enthusiasts are really, you know, they really care about that. They really right. care about getting it right. So, you know, on, on one hand I'm saying don't worry about it, but on the other hand, if it matters, the like the power readers and the the type of readers and consumers that um, are are really gonna they're gonna be the reviewers, you know. Then yeah, do a little research, try and get it right. Right. Like like I will from now on. Yeah. Now you so whenever I do my little uh, sort of 
pre-interview kind of thing uh, when people are signing up for the show. I ask them what they want the topic to be. And one of the things you mentioned was um, military experience, which we've just talked about, versus military slash espionage fiction. Do you want to elaborate on that a little? Uh yeah, so I I think kind of kind of like we talked, yeah, we um, kind of have talked about that. Truly. Yeah, I, just... I I think it, it can be one of the things that I I thought um, was helpful to me was you know having the experience in different situations in the military. You know, I've I've done some missions that were extremely exciting. Um, I don't know if you saw the movie Captain Phillips yeah. uh, with with Tom Hanks. So in the real life situation, I was flying my helicopter over the real Captain Phillips while he was wow. being held hostage. Um, and that just happens to be kind of, in a way, luck of the draw for me that I had a really cool experience on, on one of my missions. Um, do they mention lot, your name in the, in the, I don't, I don't think they do. I don't <laughs> think they do, you know, but, um, you know, I, I try and I have three little kids and I'm like, look, see that movie. I, I was, you know, I try to explain it to them. They're like, yeah, yeah whatever. There's a fire truck over there. Um, but <laughs> So uh, there were some missions that I went on and some experiences that I had that were really cool and really entertaining, I think, and that could lend itself to writing. Um, however, I would say 99% of what I did in the military was extremely boring, and yeah. you would not be able to write about it, you know? Yeah. Because uh, nobody would want to read about it. But um, I do think, just like we talked, I think that the experience in the military can kind of help you know what life on a you know navy destroyer is like right. or know what it's like to to try and grip the cyclic on a helicopter when you're trying to land on the back of a boat at night on night vision goggles you know right. so you you can kind of get some of that realism but I, I i think that anyone anyone that is listening to this podcast knows how you know what the different parts of a story are and what the different elements of a story are that make it good um and it, it, like like we talked about, I think as long as you can capture one or two details here and there uh, in in that genre, if that's what you write in, then I think you're going to be able to tell a good. If you can tell a good story, all you need are a few of the details, and and the story is really what matters. I think. Right. Yeah. And that, and of course that's true. That's true with any genre. But uh, it it is funny though because when you write, well, military espionage, any kind of thriller. Uh, it seems like the audience is is almost reading it to find the errors. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate because I don't do a lot of de heavy detail in my stuff, you know. So I I uh, maybe that's maybe that's working to my advantage actually. Now that I think about the, it, <laughs> the thing what I what I found is it's kind of like a it's like a double edged sword. Uh, on one hand, you need to make it exciting and entertaining enough that people will want to read it and tell their right. friends about it and you know, you'll, you'll be entertaining to them. Um, and on the other side, if you make it so entertaining, it kind of gets away from like, I talked to realism, you know, it'll, it'll get less realistic. Yeah. And then a lot of the people in that genre are like crusty old men, like my father that, that will, you know, they'll read it. Ah, that would never happen. And they'll, you know, <laughs> they'll stop reading after the first few chapters and right. then you'll lose them. So you got to It's, it's a fine line. You got to walk. Um, and if my father ever listens to this podcast, I love you, Dad. You're not crusty, but um, it's a fine line you got to walk. But I yeah. think uh, it's it's you know it's something that different genres want want and expect different things. You know the yeah. happily ever after endings, whatnot, uh, in romance and a lot of times in thriller. Um, but I think realism, being realistic, is something that in, in military thrillers a lot 
lot of the audience, a lot of them are veterans, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. they do have experience um, with with different uh, lifestyles in the military, and a lot of them have gone to war. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that you need to uh, do your best to, to try and uh, weave in some of that realism, but know that really what they're what they're there for. You know, one of the authors that I love uh, that wrote a lot about the military is uh, W.E.B. Griffin, Webb Griffin. Yes, yeah. Have you read his stuff? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and the, the funny thing about him, uh, the funny thing about some of his books, uh, especially, what is it, the Brotherhood of War series? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, if you look at the cover, it's got all this military uh, symbolism on it. And, it you know, you read it and it's, it's all about war, right? Right. But you, you, if you actually, or you read the blurb, and it's all about war, supposedly. But then you actually read the book, and he leaves out all the battle scenes, or really most of the action sequences. It's all about the characters. It's about right. the wives of these officers in the army as they're going through, you know, from World War II to Vietnam. It's about the relationships and, and the people. It's almost like a soap opera that right. just happens to be set in the army you know, during several decades and you, you follow these characters and it was a great, I love those books. And I think the people that were in the military and a lot of veterans, they love those books and it didn't have to do with shoot them up action or anything. It just, it was something they could relate to. It, it was people and characters that they could relate to and situations they could relate to. And I think yeah. that, uh, that can go a long way and, uh, you know, any writer can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I've sat through like war games and, and, uh, like simulated air battles and that sort of thing. And they're very exciting when you're there watching it live. But if I had to write that stuff down, it would be very boring (laughs) (laughs) because it's, it's just, you know, one explosion. I mean, how, how many different ways can you describe an explosion or an aircraft taking a hit or, you know, trails of smoke, you know? So (laughs) very exciting to be a part of or to watch on a, on a screen, but not so exciting to read on the page. Yeah, I think I think you you know you need some of that stuff, but yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's more about the um, the suspense of not knowing what's going to happen than a twist on an unexpected situation, unexpected r- solution to a problem, and then it all kind of comes together. Yeah, and you know that's that's what people crave, and that's what that's why people when they're like, oh my god, you know, Finkel is Einhorn, mind blown, you know, like yeah, that yeah. that it's, it's that kind of stuff that um, that people really enjoy. So here's my here's my Ace Ventura reference. <laughs> exactly. I, I saw you sneak it in there. I was going to yeah. just casually let it float by. Um, <laughs> so you, you uh, would you describe your work then as as character driven? I I try to. I mean, my guess, is, you know, I, my guess is I'm probably like an average. If if I'm average among your audience, as far as my writing talent goes, uh-huh. I'll be thrilled. You know, yeah. um, I th- I think that I I can kind of get over the hump of um, satisfying my readers because of some of my my experiences and being able to kind of weave that stuff in there. Right. But I really want to be. I want to I want to make them care about the characters and make them uh, you know care what happens to them and want to you know because because to me that all the books that I love. You know, like Game of Thrones. I loved the Game of Thrones series. Yeah. Um, and it's because I cared about what was going to happen to every one of those characters. Right. Right. So I, I try to be, you know, I, I try to make it uh, about the characters. Yeah. And I honestly, I, I'm i biased on this, but I mean, I think all good fiction does try to make it about the characters, you know. I mean, even yeah. even those books, you know, there are those rare books where it's sort of a, 
either it's a man against nature kind of story or it's, you know, there may Jurassic not be. Park, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we want to identify with, with the protagonist for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you just, if you're just surrounded by wooden flat characters and, you know, the whole point of the story is to, is to count the number of explosions. I, I don't really find that entertaining sure. myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, it's uh war war fiction in particular, by the way, was not something I was ever interested in growing up and became more interested in as I, as I sort of worked with, you know, veterans and started telling stories, you know, um, and it, it, on the topic of, you know, getting details, right. Like I've actually written scenes that I, that I know happened, <laughs> you know, fictionalized mm-hmm. uh, versions of actual real yeah. world, you know, combat, uh, yeah. and gotten criticized for it being inaccurate or, you know, what I I mean, I'm taking details directly from life at that point. So I don't think there's much hope really of, of pleasing everybody who reads this stuff. It, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're ever going to please everybody. So, I mean, why well, try, right? I, I, I think one of the, when I first started writing, um, one of the, things that I think gave me a, a sense of relief is when I, I read this comment on, uh, you know, K boards or something. And it was saying like, if you want to feel good about negative reviews, just like find the best authors in the world and like go read their negative reviews. Yeah. You know? And, and that, and so I did that and it was immensely satisfying, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, Actually, it so. starts to make you feel slightly inadequate. Cause you're like, my reviews are bad, but they're not this bad. Like, yeah. like <laughs> what am I doing wrong? You know, right, right, <laughs> how come yeah. Neil Gaiman's getting worse reviews than I am? Yeah. Uh, that's a weird sort of, you know, self-flagellating <laughs> version of uh, envy. I think <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny. So, okay, so you're now you had a you had like a ten year career, or or how long were you in the military? Yep, ten years. So I uh, went to the Naval Academy. Technically, I was active duty then. So if you count that, fourteen years. But okay. uh, graduated in '03. Went to flight school for a couple years. Uh, from there, I went to Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, flew helicopters off ships, and I deployed around the world. I did some uh, counter-drug operations in oh, the eastern cool. Pacific, uh, and then uh, I did some, some uh, counter-piracy deployment off the Horn of Africa, and uh, then I, I came back and was a flight instructor down in Pensacola, Florida for a few years, uh, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then my my last deployment uh, was on an aircraft carrier. I helped to kind of run air operations on an aircraft carrier, uh, the USS Enterprise, on her final deployment in 2012. Nice. And then uh, I, I got out in uh, 2013. And at the time, so when I went on my final deployment, it was about uh, probably, I was probably gone about 10 months out of a year uh, period of time. But uh, there was a chunk, an eight month deployment in the middle of that. Um, and when I left, my our second daughter. Uh, was was our second child my my uh, first daughter was two weeks old and you know can't come back to an eight month old uh and that's uh, it was at, at that point that my wife and i were just kind of like you know what we're good yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let's get out uh and i actually went to work for uh, procter and gamble after that uh yeah. in brand in brand management uh so i, I went into marketing for P&G, which was a great experience uh learned a lot about you know what it what it takes to build a brand uh and to run a business yeah, and and I think I just uh, I, I started writing while I was at P and G, just as a hobby. Yeah, and I think I kind of got uh, I, I really enjoyed it, so I, I wanted to make a career of it. And after four years at P and G, I've decided to do this full time, and I'm now doing my best to put out about a, a book a quarter. Yeah, see if I can keep up with the the rat race. Right now, you have a, a nice sized catalog. I was just kind of scanning through your books on 
on Amazon. Uh, are you exclusive to Amazon? Uh, so right now I'm, I'm wide with the, okay. the War Planner series. I'm about to launch a new series, um, and it, it's going to be in September. It's, this one's called Glide Pass, and this is kind of a more traditional, like like a Jack Reacher type, you know, Vince Flynn right. type uh, series. Um, so I'm, I'm a little worried that it's it's kind of getting away from my uh, area of expertise with the military and everything. Yeah. But I still am an expert at aviation, so I'm trying to throw in some aviation stuff in there. Um, but anyway, uh, that'll launch in September, and that is uh, going to be in Kindle Unlimited. So okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that out. Yeah, yeah. So sort of uh, try to pick up on the KDP select page read money. <laughs> yeah. Well, so my my theory is that I'm probably losing some readers like some people just aren't going to even try me out because they you know they've got this huge catalog of yeah. uh kindle unlimited books that they can read and so i want to have at least something on there that maybe i'll i'll kind of get the best of both worlds you know i don't know if it'll really work or not but i and a part of me wants to kind of experiment with ku and see what my earnings are like yeah. uh, on there compared to a wide yeah uh yeah. book but how do you so uh, gonna, go ahead no i'm sorry uh, what I was what I was planning to do, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I was going to uh, launch. I'm going to continue writing in the War Planner series, but also write in this new. Uh, it, the character's name is Max Fen, so that's yeah. going to be the the series. So I was going to just alternate and every quarter put out uh, one book in the different series. Uh, so that'd be like every six months, it would be you know a continuation of of the uh, one of the one of the books, but. Right. What are your What are your thoughts on kind of breaking it up? I mean, so you're, if I'm understanding right, you're you're continuing your War Planner series wide, but you're thinking of. I, I, I guess I missed some details. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to alternate. Uh, I'm going to alternate uh, each each launch will be of the the opposite series. Okay. Uh, so like right in September, I'll launch one in this new series. Then in December, I'll launch one in uh, my other series, and then the next one would be a, yeah. a launch in series one. Then the next one would be a launch in series two, and then one and two, you know, keep yeah. going on like that every quarter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, you know, a lot of people do that. Um, now, I mean, just keep in mind you're you're spreading out the love for you know your established series, but you've got right. a pretty you know big decent catalog at this point, and if you're if you start releasing every every two quarters or every half year uh rather than every quarter i don't think it's going to impact you that much yeah you know? um honestly i mean it, you know it just depends if if you start getting complaints from people <laughs> you know you might want to consider uh, a, a different strategy possibly even trying to bank a couple of books in advance that you can you know that you can release between the stagger you know which is tough, but it might be worth your time if, if you start getting complaints. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother if you release a book and you're getting the same sales that you always got. You know, right? Yeah. But I would cross promote for sure. I would definitely tell these people I have this other series. You're welcome yes. to get in. You know, and segment your mailing list too. If you you do have a mailing list, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. I hate making assumptions because you just don't no know. no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely segment your list for both series if you want, uh, right. uh, because it will help you if, if you consider those to be different genres or at least different sub genres. So yeah, I that think point, that's accurate. Yeah. That's cool. Now, I, um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'm going to want you to let me know how that goes, by the way, because I, I, I'm kind of doing something similar uh, in that I, I pulled back my thrillers because I started writing thrillers full time. I still have like 40 some odd books in other genres. Um, and now I'm experimenting with I'm trying to build up a readership for these these thrillers because I've only got like three of those books written. So I put them in KU to see if I could get a uh, some momentum going on that. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of doing the same thing you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I'm trying to have the best of both worlds, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Because I mean, so at, at P&G, you know, they've got some of the biggest brands there are. Yeah. And you know, I, I think I learned a lot of lessons from that. But um, so, like you talked about, like the the two series that I'm I'm launch, you know, one I'm about to launch, they're in the same genre, but they're different subgenres. Right. So my thought is, you know, with with a brand expansion. Yeah. or brand extension, you got to make it kind of similar. So there's overlap, you know, yeah, of, yeah. of what, what your reader or what your consumer is interested in. And so that's kind of what, where, where I was coming from there. Right. I think someday I would love to, you know, do sci-fi or something as well. But I think for now I, I need to at least be close enough um, to, to what I already write about that, that yeah, there's overlap. Yeah. yeah. If, I mean, yeah, it's, that one's tough by the way, because genre hopping can it slows you down quite a bit like right. it's not that you can't succeed doing that it's that it yeah. it sort of diverts the the flow a little and sure. every time you do it it's you're developing a, a new brand and you have right. to develop exactly. a new yeah. strategy and yeah. you know strategies from the uh the rest of your work don't always don't always go <laughs> so sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah how how are you uh distributing why do you, you're using draft to digital right <laughs> no, I think I, I think I, we talked about that. Um, yeah, so I when I first started, I didn't know anything, you know. So I I, I just I think I probably Google searched like, yeah, how to self publish a book, and Smashwords was one of the first things right, that came up. Right, so right. Um, I right now I only use them for Nook, okay. um, and, the, and the only reason I haven't I was I was thinking about going direct to Nook, or I, I think I might have looked at Draft Digital. Yeah. Um, but the only reason I haven't is because I didn't want to lose my reviews. Um, and I don't even have a lot of reviews on Nook. Yeah. I have, you know, way more on the other um, the other sites. But I feel like it took me so long to build them up. Yeah. It, it would, you know. But, just, so that's, yeah. Yeah, I just don't know that reviews matter as much on, on Nook as they do on Amazon, you know. And yeah. maybe they do. And, I'm, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I, I have my books on BNN and I, I don't see any noticeable difference when they get a review, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I hardly ever see sales from Barnes and Noble, really. So um, it's just not something I guess I've dug in on. But uh, no, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was I really just messing with you, man. I I, I know you're not. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> but and I don't blame you for going to Smashwords. I went Smashwords when I first started because I that was the first thing I encountered. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so, I, was, I was pretty psyched on uh, my, here's my brag. Uh, I, I got to number one on the Nook store last oh, week. excellent. Uh, during that promotion. So uh, I was I was pretty psyched about that. Excellent. You know, now, now it's like plummeting down, but, you know, for, yeah. for a brief moment there. No, I, I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. It's like they'll do these promotions like on uh, iBooks, you know. And yeah. uh, I hit number one in sci-fi on iBooks. And was just I'm like I've made it, you know, and and yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like let's go buy a limousine, and then like you know a week after the the promo ended, you know I'm like number <laughs> fifteen hundred or something, right? <laughs> just yeah, you yeah. Know, whatever. Um, yeah, 
all my numbers are coming down now but i was really psyched about uh last week yeah Uh, so we'll see that's very cool yeah well congratulations on that man yeah it 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 does make a difference like you especially like barnes and noble to me is one of those stores like oh yeah also barnes and noble right because i i never see serious sales from that channel for some reason and i right i don't spend a particular particularly great amount of time or money uh you know trying to funnel traffic to those guys but and so that probably explains it but i i you know every other vendor that i treat that way at least has some organic growth that i didn't necessarily have to pay or work for <laughs> yeah for, for me it was i mean i was i had read i, I think i talked to you about this i was trying to make the usa today list yeah um and i'll know whether i made it tomorrow yeah. Uh, but, uh, so that was the only reason that I was really kind of focusing yeah, on, yeah, okay. yeah. and I wasn't sure how many sales I would have. So I probably like overcompensated for that channel in right. particular. And most of it, most of what I did was one, there's the book bub, uh, featured deal, but right. I, I spent a lot on uh book bub ads specifically focused on the nook, uh, the nook, uh, store. How are you finding so, those, by the way? How, how's that working um, for you? If you target authors, mm-hmm. it works pretty well. Um, but it, like everything, you got to have a price point that will, or, um, you know, enough sequential books in the series right. that your lifetime value, you know, per, per conversion is going to uh, make it profitable. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the book by ads work great because you're you're hitting a bunch of power readers that are looking to find books but you've got to price it appropriately um you know if if they've never heard of you right and uh, which which on on bookbub is 299 or less yeah Um, yeah. and and, you know and then the other part is like it it doesn't train the amazon algorithms the way you might want you know so you're all of a sudden you're you're getting like female focused uh, titles and you're also bots and 85% of my readers are men over 55, you know? So that's not really, it's not helping me sell on Amazon as much as, you know, it it could be, but it's giving me sales and it's building my readership. And one of the things I would love to do is be able to find more women readers. Um, and that's hard to do when you've got like war on your, on your title, you know? And uh, so I, I think that that's another reason that I'm trying to kind of expand, um, my, my book uh, genre a little bit so right. that it's it's not as it doesn't immediately turn off um, they in at, at uh, in consumer product goods companies would call it like a deselection barrier right you know if you go down the aisle you're not even gonna see some of that stuff in the cereal aisle because you're only looking for the blue box you know right. and that's that's what you get every time and so you don't even see Cheerios cause, right. But, right. Um, so uh, that, that's one of the things I want to try and do is, is kind of get to a point where at least new, new readers would even consider me. And one, you know, so two of those things are one, make the cover and title less like war centric, make it more what they're, um, used to seeing in like, uh, the type of book they might already be purchasing, which is like a Jack Reacher or something like that. Um, and, and then, uh, the other thing would be the expanding or going into Kindle Unlimited. Uh, because I, I do think there's a lot of readers uh, in there that are probably only going to try somebody out if, if they're getting it for free because they're already paying for it anyway. You know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Less Clive Cussler, more uh, Lee Child then. And yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what's funny is I what I picked up on right away is that the majority of my readers tend to be women 
uh, like 65 and up, you know, yep. which is to me really odd. But then I, as I, as I looked into it more, I mean, that's traditional for my genre, like the, the sort of Dan Brown type thrillers. Uh, it's, it seems to be primarily women who pick those up and read them, which I, so I never would have guessed. Here's a question for you, and sure. this has been something that I realize you're supposed to be talking to me, but I'm asking you the question. <laughs> no, go okay. ahead. <laughs> so uh, here's my worry, because I, I look at a lot of, you know, I've looked at some of the book club stats, and I survey my readers, too, to try and find out how old they are and, and what their demographics are. Yeah. And the vast majority of, of my readers and of book club readers are over 55. Right. Um, and it even skews heavier, like over 65, you know, the, a higher concentration. Um, so is, is the reason for that because they're finally retired and they actually have time on their hands that they can read a lot? Or is it because they were kind of, the, the people at that age just haven't been indoctrinated into the smartphone world, so yeah. they're not as distracted? And if that's the case, are all of our customers someday no longer going to be with yeah, us while we're we still trying to make out? a living on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now everybody's watching Netflix instead of reading books. Yeah. I think, um, it's a little of, of from column A and column B, honestly, uh, what I'm, so here's, what's interesting. The, int- the interesting phenomenon to me is that young readers are now discovering their literature online through services like Wattpad. Right. Uh-huh. So yeah. I think, and, and of course on Wattpad, they don't pay anything for it. Um, and my theory there is that if you nurture an audience on Wattpad, as they mature, they start thinking back on, you know, they start, maybe they have a love for reading it by that point, hopefully. And they start thinking back on the readers, they are the uh, authors they discovered uh, earlier in their life. And now they become customers. So it's sort of a long game. The, uh, I think that the point that they may be sort of picking up books as they retire, you know, that, that age range is probably pretty accurate because uh, I think at a certain point you kind of get sick of the like deluge of media, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you're more likely to, to look for something that you sort of can immerse yourself in that you more fully control, you know. So yeah, but that's I have no hard data on any of this. Okay, so <laughs> this is all Kevin conjecture. But they, I, for me, uh, I, I mean, I noticed that there's sort of this this leap that happens because I'll have a readership in the in the age range of about 24 to 30, and then it'll jump to 65 and up. Because everyone with kids is like, right. exactly. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Yeah. Right, yeah, right around. So right around twenty four, what's happening? Most most of these kids are getting out of college. They're mm-hmm. already used to having to read, right? So they're they're out looking for things to sort of fill the void, really, you know. Yep. And they don't have families to worry about most of the time. They're 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 out kind of living a different type of life. And then around thirty, they start settling down, and they don't have time for. 30 years. <laughs> right. So, Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my theory and I don't, I don't know how accurate that really is. It's not like I've done a formal study of it, but the number of people that I talk to from my reading list, you know, from my uh, reader list, uh, who fit that demographic. I mean, that's the lifestyles that they, that they sort of convey when we talk. It's, it's always like that. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've got plenty of free time because they don't have kids or their kids have left the house, you know, <laughs> one of those. So yeah, right. That's my theory. But I think, uh, you know, I know there's always the worry that the readership may age out and, uh, you know, books, books will become extinct or something along those lines. And I, I honestly don't think that's ever going to happen. 
And it's more, I, I want to believe, than I have the facts to back it up. But, you know, it seems like every day I, I, I come across somebody has discovered the joys of reading, you know? Uh-huh, sure, yeah. <laughs> and there, frankly, there's just no way to get some of the stories that you can get through books through any other medium. Yeah, I, I think the power of imagination yeah. gives a huge advantage to books over anything else. I mean, you your your brain is more capable of putting you in a situation and and making you smell and feel and you know taste whatever they're describing than any movie or or a YouTube video ever could. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there is that advantage. It'll be you know in twenty or. 40 years it'll i'm sure there's stuff that we don't even know what you know the what we'll be competing with as far as entertainment goes right um but for now i think that uh yeah and i i do uh, you know the the other bit of data that i i think would be relevant is um the you know data guy right? right um yep like his his statistics on the actual growth of the ebook industry or just the book industry in general like shows an upward trend, you know, like when you add in everything, it's not, the market is not shrinking, you know? Um, and so I think that that would suggest to me that people are not like aging out of, of, uh, the, the book market. Um, and if anything, you know, it's, it's growing slightly. Right. Well, and I, I think that you, well, and you kind of brought this up. I mean, the, the idea that, uh, people may, well, there's that distinction between ebook and print right now that I think is cl- the gap on that is kind of closing because I think more people are discovering how useful it is to be able to just pick up their smart device and just start reading uh, rather than having to carry around a book all the time when they travel or, you know, when they're at the grocery store or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think there's a love for print books, though, you know, like people just hang yeah. on to it out of a sense of of uh nostalgia and uh that's me too i still buy print books <laughs> right a lot of them too um I, but anyway. I think from from what i read and i think this might have been from that data guy uh survey is that the the trend in fiction is, is shifting way over to ebooks so yeah yeah um and so that i i think uh it you know it's which is good for us i mean that it makes it easier to sell the more the more people there are that are you know, that we're potentially selling to the, the less of an advantage traditional publishers, you know, hold over us because they're the only ones that can get into Barnes and Noble. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, yeah. And that is, I think in large part that is author driven too. You know, I mean, yeah. we're, we're out producing the work and there is an audience for it. So despite the fact that there is that contingent of, of uh, readers who, you know, I'm never going to read uh, an ebook. I wouldn't dare, you know, they're, mm-hmm they're not really our target audience. So, <laughs> and that's okay. Like we're, we're aiming at the people who do want to read on ebook, uh, right. largely. So, um, that's an interesting concept. We could probably go off on a tangent on, but we're kind of, we're at our time now, unfortunately. So, uh, no man, I, uh, so fascinating interview. And I, I'm, I'm glad I had you on. Cause this, this is a, this, just the topic of war, uh, in fiction is, is one of these that, I think a lot of people are very interested in and sometimes don't, they're afraid to touch <laughs> for various mm-hmm. reasons. So yeah, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that. But, um, so where can people find you and your work online? Uh, my website is andrewwattsauthor.com. And if 
they're interested in me or my books, they can go there. All right. That's perfect. See, one one stop solution. And of course you're using universal book links to promote your I am. Your book. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna mess with you. All right, <laughs> cool. No, see, that's the that that's my favorite tool of all time, by the way. I I, oh, yeah. I, I joined Draft to Digital right as they were preparing to launch that. That was the first um campaign i ran there and it, it so there's a little bit of nostalgia there but i still think it's the most awesome tool for for promoting your work uh, makes my life easier anyway so yeah yeah all right well so everybody listening uh thank you for tuning in of course and uh thank you andrew for for being on man i do appreciate that uh please go check out his website andrewwattsauthor.com you can find a link to that in the show notes of course along with some other links uh, you can find his amazon author page and a few other things uh go check his workout buy all of his books pester him to sign them for you that sort of thing uh <laughs> and thanks again for being on andrew thank you kevin all right everybody stick around you're hearing the groovy music right now and we'll give you some uh, housekeeping and updates right after this musical interlude see you on the other side and this is said other side <laughs> thanks for sticking around okay um I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope you got something out of that. I, I did. Um, I uh, enjoyed talking to Andrew quite a bit, actually. Um, there's something about military guys, man. I don't know. I, I, there's a part of me that, that kind of regrets that I didn't go into the military when I had the opportunity. Um, there's a kind of brotherhood that happens there. Uh, but then you meet occasionally the guy who isn't so uh, clean-cut and nice. <laughs> Uh, but for the most part, man, I really, I truly respect, um, the people who kind of put it on the line, you know, uh, who, you know, military, police, firemen, paramedics, you know, everybody who is out there, uh, just, just dedicating their lives to making sure that other people's lives go on. I mean, I'm, it's always, um, it's kind of a moving, uh, thing for me, you know, a, a very touching idea. Uh, very Christ-like, by the way. If you happen to be a, a, a Christian, I mean that's, you know, no greater love is the uh, is the scripture. Um, and I, I'm just always very happy when I meet uh, these guys who are doing something remarkable with their lives as well. You know, uh, with their lives because they they tend to give all the time, um, and uh, they can sometimes they can empty themselves. I've like I said, I've talked to a lot of veterans, and uh, occasionally. You, you meet the veteran who just he gave all he could give and now he he feels like he's an empty shell and I, that makes me incredibly sad because these these guys have so much to offer the world you know beyond just their service but they also deserve so much from the world so if you have served uh in the military uh as a police officer a fireman a paramedic anybody any uh field in which you have uh put your life on the line or just sacrificed, you know, other aspects of your life altogether in, in the service of others uh, to maintain freedoms, to maintain our, uh, our safety, our health. Um, God bless you. And I, I mean, I honestly respect your choice and respect what you've done. Uh, you are, uh, you're a hero. So thank you. Uh, now housekeeping stuff. We've got um, we got some changes coming up, and they're gonna they're gonna start as of next episode, actually. Uh, so what what here's what's happening. For the past few months, I've been do, conducting interviews using a whole other platform. I've been using uh, Zoom, 
instead of uh, Skype. And uh, everything you've everything you've heard to date I was recorded on Skype. <laughs> I have a process. I have a tool. <laughs> it works very well. And uh, and so I have been very reluctant to uh, change. But I did change uh, because there was something I wanted to do. Something I wanted to fold in to the Wordslinger podcast, and that was video. And while Skype uh, does have video and works fairly well, I um I did I, I occasionally would have glitches. If I tried to record in video, it was always problematic. Um, for one, not everyone uses Skype, um, so uh, I would always have to talk them through that. Uh, Zoom is kind of the same issue, except that I can give them a link that encourages them to download the software and then takes them directly into the meeting with me. So uh, it works just just a little better, and I get all, I get a lot of really cool benefits out of using it. This isn't about Zoom though, um, although I do recommend it at this point. Zoom.us if you want to try that. Um, but here's what's happening: I've been recording video, and as of next episode which will be an interview. My The first one I did on video I, I was with uh, my good friend and writing partner, Nick Thacker, whom you've heard me refer to before, who has been on the show before. Um, we also did the uh, Self-Publishing Answers podcast together. Uh, he and I have done quite a bit of work together. So if you're not familiar with him, he's a thriller author, uh, very successful in his own right. He, is, uh, he just recently went full-time, and... Uh, I'm, uh, I've got his first interview basically about that. So we're going to talk to Nick Thacker, um, and you'll get to see and hear Nick Thacker and me. Um, I'm going to start posting these on the, uh, the word slinger podcast YouTube channel, which I will put a link to in the show notes because currently, um, that channel has one subscriber. (laughs) Can you guess who it is? Um, but it's brand new, okay? Give me some slack here. But there were, are also no videos on it. Um, but if you want to get ahead of the game and know when the uh, when the podcast is live on YouTube, then uh, hop on over to that link. Um, and uh, I think what I'll do is create a Bitly link. In fact, through the magic of pausing and audio editing, I now have a Bitly link. <laughs> if you go to bit.ly slash wordslinger podcast all one word uh you will that will take you to the wordslinger um youtube channel so go do that um and i think you'll enjoy the results to come bit.ly slash wordslinger podcast that'll take you to the youtube channel for the wordslinger podcast and as i upload new content uh you'll be able to uh see it if you subscribe and if you hit that little bell that is the notification icon, um, it's uh, generally in the upper right corner of the screen, I believe. So uh, it is. If you'll hit the bell, actually, no, it's upper right corner, uh, usually around the videos. On the, subscri- on the subscription page, it's right next to the, super- the subscribe button. So um, if you will click that, you'll get notifications every time I publish a new episode. Um, I think you're going to want to do that because if you're a fan of the show uh, as a uh, audio podcast, uh, there'll be some cool stuff happening uh, from time to time, at least uh, as I get my feet under me uh, on the video side of this that you won't necessarily get 
in the audio podcast. So there's some incentive. Uh, you now, for the most part, they're going to be the same episode. But uh, this is a different way for you to enjoy it. I'd, I'd love it if you would subscribe and start sharing these videos as they come up. That would help me quite a bit. Um, I am going to try to monetize that channel. So just, you know, just so you know, heads up. I mean, I'm going to try to make some money off the deal. But, um, well, that that's not, it may not be a fortune right away <laughs> with one subscriber. <laughs> but we'll get there. Uh, everything's got to start somewhere, right? So thank you for that. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this new iteration of the words on your podcast i know i've talked a little about this in the past um i'm also thinking of using this as a very good time to pull the trigger on the website it's not entirely ready um because i've been at conferences and haven't been able to to finish up i got a lot of work ahead of me um on transferring uh the actual episodes over so i have to take a look and see if i can make this work um as is i didn't want to do the whole relaunch kind of thing because i don't want to lose anybody um in the uh, the mix there, but um, I may have to uh, I may have to sort of decimate the back catalog for a bit. <laughs> I'm not sure, and just slowly load it back up. Uh, not sure. If anybody's got some advice on this, by the way, let me know. I know a few folks have done things like this in the past. They tra- they transferred over. Um, they had difficulty getting the old episodes moved or whatever. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. If you got some advice, let me know. I'm happy to take it. So, all right. All that said, that those are the biggies. Um, things coming up. I am, uh, Karen and I are actually going to, to, uh, get on the road, um, this time next week. So that would be, if you're listening to this on launch day, this was, is Friday. So next Friday I will be driving, um, for several hours <laughs> we're gonna first we're gonna stop over in waco and we're gonna go see the uh the silos uh that's the new disneyland for people who watch uh chip and joanna Gaines on uh <laughs> on uh fixer upper um and we're gonna hang out there for we're gonna hang out in waco for an evening uh, as a kind of layover before we get back on the road the next day headed straight for colorado springs um we are we're going to spend at least a week there. I get to hang out with Nick, which is great. Um, we're going to check out the, uh, the the zoo there in Colorado Springs. We're going to check out uh, some other sites. Kara is a, enamored of the Broadmoor Hotel. So uh, I've been there numerous times now. <laughs> Spent some time there. Hang out. If you are in the Colorado Springs area and you, uh, you want to get together or chat or whatever, uh, let me know. I'm I can't make guarantees because uh, we're we're kind of trying to take a little vacation, but um, it'd be nice to see some folks. Maybe have some some coffee or lunch or whatever, and uh, catch up. We'll talk books. We'll talk podcasts. Whatever you want. So uh, let me know, and uh, I'd love to see you. If if we can make that happen, it'd be great. Um, other than that, that's the biggie um, coming up after. Now that see, because of this vacation, I won't be at twenty books to fifty k in Vegas. Um, so uh, to everyone going to that, uh, I, I, I somewhat envy you, although I like being married. So if I didn't go, I mean, if I went to that and I didn't go on this vacation, I might not be married anymore. So you can understand, <laughs> but, uh, if you do that, uh, have a good time I, 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 and say hello to everybody for me. Nick will be there, uh, as will quite a few other folks that I think Dan Wood actually is, is attending that one. Uh, my, my fellow, uh, traveler at draft to digital um he's going to be there to represent 
Um, and then I'm going to attempt to go to the uh, 20 books in London and possibly in Bali. So we'll see how that works out. Um, it really all kind of comes down to the budget. So, you know, budgets. <laughs> as far as conferences, I'm pretty sure that's the last actual conference. or I had. That's the last one for this year for me. And I won't be attending that one. Um, I'm doing some events with uh, a couple of groups here and there. Um, that I don't think are necessarily public, but if they are, I'll, I'll make announcements. And uh, come January, I'll be in the Bay Area. I'm going to attend, uh, I'll do a workshop, two workshops, frankly, um, on a single day in uh, in San Francisco. Actually, they may be spread out. I need to check. Um, but I'll be in San Francisco for the Bay Area Independent Publishers Association, um, one of their Saturday events, and uh, I'm going to hang out in uh, San Francisco that weekend. So if you're in the Bay Area, um, looking at you, Justin Sloan, yeah, we can uh, we can grab some lunch or something. Um, Kara is probably going to go with me on that trip, so we're going to we're gonna go check out uh, all the sites, be tourists. I didn't really get to be much of a tourist the last time I was there. Um, so we're going to go check out San Francisco, have a little fun. Um, entertain ourselves that sort of thing uh around this this event so if you're in the bay area check that out uh beyond that i got some stuff coming up uh in uh, february i believe uh, i think i'm gonna be yeah, i'll definitely be at smarter artist summit um i may be in london in february so we'll see we'll see uh but if you're out and about and you happen to see me come on by let's get some pictures and stuff man I never get pictures with anybody anymore. Uh, we'll do some pictures, and you can tag me on the uh, on the book face and the uh, the Instagrams and things like that. So uh, anyway, thank you so much for sticking around here to the end. We're at a, an hour and five minutes. I'm uh, running a little over, but I'm glad you stuck it out. Uh, if you would like to reach out to me or to uh, ask questions of any of my former guests or even future guests if you happen to know who those are uh feel free pop into wordslingerpodcast.com you can send me an email from the site you can also send me a voicemail from the site uh i still do have the number active i'm kind of considering uh retiring the phone number i know <laughs> but i'm getting more calls through the uh through the uh speak pipe app so maybe uh we'll see but if you want to call it's Currently, it's 281-809-WORD. That's 281-809-9673. Uh, you can leave me a voicemail there. You can also, and the, re, the other reason, by the way, is it, it's associated with a Skype account, and it is uh, occasionally not functional, I've discovered. So there may be people calling and not, not leaving a message just because it wouldn't let them. So that's one reason I'm looking into alternatives. Um, but you can also uh, leave me a voicemail right from the SpeakPipe app right there on the website, and uh, you can keep it at about a minute because that's where it cuts you off. Um, and I'll play that on the air unless you tell me otherwise. Uh, but thank you so much to everybody. By the way, if you're a reader uh, of my fiction and you're tuning in, uh, I really appreciate all the emails and everything I've gotten recently. I, I got a ton of great emails and, and reviews and things on uh, the, uh, the Atlantis Riddle uh, because I did a promotion for that um, at the beginning of September. Tons of people popping in a sandwich they love the book so thank you so much that's very encouraging really um and a lot of people you know just sort of demanding the next book well devil's interval is out uh so you can pick that up 
Um, the next book will be called uh, The Girl in the Mayan Tomb. <laughs> and uh, it is, uh, I'd say, um, I'm close to my target on it, but I realize that this is going to be a longer book. I'm actually probably going to go about twice the normal length for this book. So uh, you're, you're going to want to check that out. But that also means it's taking a little longer to do, especially with conferences and things distracting me. But now that I'm writing on my phone... <laughs> I've got more uh, words hitting the page. So, anyway, uh, thank you again for everything. God bless each and every one of you. Uh, Take care of yourselves out there, and I will see you all next time. Wordslinger.